Good morning, everybody. There's somebody. Now, this is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. A handful of stuff we're going to get into today in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. As always, thank you for tuning in. A uh, couple different things we're going to hit up today. And listen, if we get through the list of what I want to get into today. It's going to be a show. In fact, there might be a little bit of a turnover, a little bit of extra to kind of carry over into the next show. I do at some point, whether it's today's broadcast or the next broadcast, talk about the modified changes by the National Football League with the Rooney rule and stuff like that. So we'll try to get to that. If not, you know, listen, it's going to be jam-packed. Show belongs to you. So anything that's on your mind in the world of baseball, sports, and Unified America, please let me know. So, you know, thinking about DeAndre Baker, Quentin Dunbar, getting themselves apparently in a little bit of trouble. And this is all considered alleged, of course. And we, we all like to jump to conclusions. We all like to jump and assume that we know what happened before we even get the details of what happened. And there's two things that stand out in any situation. When somebody's name is mentioned in something that is devious or wrong or they are accused of something, there's a court of public opinion, which we know results in somebody being guilty until proven innocent. Now, the opposite is the actual court of law, which works and allows somebody the right to a trial, the right to a lawyer, the right to a judge and jury. And this results in the opposite, innocent until proven guilty. So allegedly what you have happening is two pro football players, obviously well compensated pro football players go out there and they commit allegedly this armed robbery and put themselves really at the risk of losing their own livelihoods. And there's two ways that people decide to steal. Number one is when you are don't have anything, whether it's to eat, whether it's to sit and live, you tend to go into desperation. And in all honesty, everybody should be thankful or the majority of the people that have the ability to eat their own meal, live in their own home, and not have to starve, may not be able to relate to somebody that may not have anything. So that person that doesn't have a dime to go out there and get themselves a little, you know, 25 cent friggin' candy bar, may be more inclined to steal because they're hungry. And then there's the other people that steal because of opportunity. Not necessarily because they need it, but because they can. And allegedly, if this turns out to be what it is in Florida with the charges, uh, the police questioning, you know, DeAndre Baker and Quentin Dunbar, if this turns out to be true, this is going to be an example of two pro football players that could have afforded anything that they stole. We're just doing it because of the opportunity. You want to throw in gambling debts in there? Maybe they're trying to make up for money that they lost. Okay. Still doesn't make it right. Still is very selfish on their part. And also selfish to everybody that's involved with them. Whether it's their family, whether it's their parents, whether they have kids. They made a decision that could potentially change the rest of their lives. And we... As we talk about sports on a sports talk show, want to talk about how it 
impacts them in a world of pro football? Well, if they're charged and convicted guilty and have to serve time, they're not going to be playing in the NFL while they're serving time behind bars. But the National Football League, as you looked at the history of a league that seems to be interested in giving second chances. And it does. And you know what? There's a lot of people that make mistakes, people that deserve maybe another chance to live their life, maybe an opportunity to prove that they learned from what it is that they did, but it still doesn't make it right. And still probably angers some people, excuse me as I cough, <laughs> that are on the outside that wish they could get a chance to play, to get a chance to be part of the game of professional football. Now listen, your average John Q fan that's out there that says, I'll play for free, I don't really care about what you think. But it's a shame that somebody has the skill and ability to play in the National Football League and is willing to throw it away, allegedly, over something stupid. $75,000 worth of jewelry that was allegedly heisted could have been bought by these players through their regular salary that they have as professional players in the National Football League. They may lose it all. These two players may never play in the National Football League again if they're found guilty. Certainly, if they serve time, it's going to make it very difficult for them to come back. But if you look back at the history of some players in the National Football League, you know that second chances exist in this sport. You could start with somebody like a Plexico Burris who shot himself with a gun in his pocket in a club in New York City and obviously was found out and known at the time that it was against the law to carry a loaded handgun or a handgun in any way, shape, or form in the city of New York. He had to serve time in prison for it. And he came back and he played in the National Football League. There's Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy goes out there and he beats women. That, that's what he does. Outside of the National Football League, he can play pro football. He beats the hell out of women. How many chances did he get to play in the National Football League? And then you talk about OJ. Not OJ in the murder case of Nicole Brown Simpson and you know Ronald Goldman, but the OJ armed robbery case. A situation where there's memorabilia that supposedly belonged to him and he went back and he organized this heist to go out there and take it back. Well, he had to serve a lot of time for that. And obviously his image is changed by the whole murder trial that involved his ex-wife and Ronald Goldman. And you talk about Michael Vick. Got a chance to play in the National Football League again. And you know about that heinous crime of killing dogs using them to fight, the dog ring, he gets another chance. He's able to, quote unquote, rehabilitate himself. And then you look at maybe the worst of it all, if you don't want to put OJ in that category, if you agree that uh, even though the court of public opinion believes he was guilty in some way, shape, or form of the murder of his ex-wife and Ronald Goldman, he was found not guilty. The worst of it could be Ray Carruth. Ray Carruth, the former Carolina Panther wide receiver that ends up having to serve time for his involvement in the murder of his ex-girlfriend. He never got another chance to play in the National Football League. So you wonder, DeAndre Baker, Quentin Dunbar, once again, 
We're going to go with the court of public opinion to say that they're guilty before proven innocent, which is unfortunate. You know, if my name is thrown out there and it's uh, alleged that I did something, the court of public opinion is going to assume that I did it. And that's why you have the right to a trial. And it, the roles get reversed and you are innocent until you are proven guilty. And if these two players are found not guilty, then this is a non-story. The reason at this very moment that it is a story is because it's alleged that they did what they did. So the history of the National Football League will prove that they will get another chance. So the other comparison, comparison I wanted to make, talking about last week, players that end up passing away a little bit too early in the prime of their career. I mentioned a guy that played for the St. Louis Cardinals was a top prospect. Oscar Tavares was killed in a car accident before he could really make an impact in the major leagues. Jordano Ventura pitched in the World Series for the Kansas City Royals in 2015, was killed in a car accident. So his career is unable to be finished. You think of the likes of Herman of Thurman Munson. Jeez, uh, I can't speak this morning. Thurman Munson was killed in a plane crash in 1979. A career that was headed towards the Hall of Fame, but you can make a case that he may have been on his way in the south end of his career. Maybe he doesn't play through 1985 or through the better part of the 1980s and his numbers don't add up. So I was thinking of two players. One of them is in the Hall of Fame, and I mentioned him last week, and it's Drazen Petrovic. And Drazen Petrovic uh, came out of Croatia, started his career at the Portland Trailblazers, was traded to the New Jersey Nets, and when he went to the Nets, he became a star. One of the better shooters in the game, had a couple really good seasons in the National Basketball Association until, tragically, he ends up getting killed in a car accident. His life ends, but the National Basketball Association seems to respect those that are no longer with us. And they project what Drazen Petrovic's career could have been. And he's in the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. The Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, Drazen Petrovic. And listen, I could go through the laundry list of players that are in the Basketball Hall of Fame that may be a little bit of stretches, the Bill Fitches of the world, the Vlade Divacs of the world. Now, if I mention Drazen Petrovic, it almost sounds like I'm not being sensitive to the fact that his life was taken early. He didn't get a chance to finish his career. So you could say that, but then I'll mention Jose Fernandez, the pitcher for the Miami Marlins that in September of 2016 was killed in a tragic boating accident. Would you agree that Jose Fernandez was ridiculously talented? Would you agree that Jose Fernandez was on his way to a very good baseball career? Do you agree that maybe Jose Fernandez's tragic death interrupted something that was on the path to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Was he on his way to be the next Justin Verlander? Because Justin Verlander is heading to the Hall of Fame. Was he on his way to be potentially the next CC Sabathia, Roy Halladay? I mean, the guy was a very good pitcher, doing great things, striking out, you know, 13, 15 batters a game. 
I think of him and I think of Felix Hernandez. Had a great run with the Seattle Mariners. Obviously, if baseball gets back going, he may have a chance to uh, have some impact for the Atlanta Braves as a fifth starter. Obviously, towards the end, the tail end of his career. But Jose Fernandez had a run in him. He had a decade, a decade plus. Like I said, if he lasted a long time, he could have been on his way to the Baseball Hall of Fame. So why would you say that Jose Fernandez is a no chance Hall of Famer? Don't even consider him. Don't even think about putting any sort of difference or differentiation of your roles to put him in. But Drazen Petrovic, no doubt, Hall of Famer. And I agree with the rules that once somebody is put in a Hall of Fame for a respective sport, they are to stay. They're there for life. There's no way to take them out. You know, even if you find out that there's baseball players that did steroids, there's nobody that's going out there and taking them out. People would be pissed off. Other Hall of Famers would be pissed off. But there's no taking out of a Hall of Fame a Hall of Famer. So that's why you got to think long and hard before you put somebody in. Johnson Petrovich isn't being taken out of the Hall of Fame because all that is is bad PR. You can take somebody that was put in after they died and all of a sudden take them out when they're still dead, nothing's changed. But I think there should be more consideration for Jose Fernandez as a Hall of Famer. Now, let's be serious. The Baseball Hall of Fame is a complete joke. Once again, you have the best players to ever play the sport. Barry Bonds, Pete Rose, Joe Jackson. And you could go on and on and on about players that you can make a legitimate case based off their numbers, their accomplishments, what they did over the course of their career, that they're Hall of Fame worthy. But baseball is ruled by politics. Baseball is ruled by people that think it's the goody-two-shoes game, that it's a, it's a there's such sanctity and purity to a game that was bought and brought and started by corruption and deviousness in the 1800s. But Jose Fernandez, Hall of Fame case, outside of the 20 to 50 to maybe even 100 other cases you can make when it comes to Major League Baseball players, he's got to be on the list somewhere. So I was thinking about this the other day. At some point, you're going to have the resumption of sports. You see, you know, UFC 249 last week. You got the WWE. You're thinking about possibilities to finish the NBA season, the NHL season. Major League Baseball is going to continue to go back and forth with their, their proposal to try to play a truncated season. National Football League seems to be in their, their own world thinking that in you know August and September, they're going to be playing games with 80,000 people in the stadium. But baseball, it's, it's interesting to think about how fans are going to be upset if there's no baseball. Fans, they may be losing out with no baseball. And I get it. I understand how you're used to it this time as we're in the middle of May getting ready for Memorial Day weekend. 
we should be recapping the first month or so of the baseball season. Are there any surprises? Are there any teams that we didn't expect to be good that are good and we're trying to, you know, justify whether they're a good enough team to hang with the teams that we thought were going to be good? And what about the teams that we thought were going to be good that were off to a bad start? Do they have enough to be able to turn it around? Do they need to make moves or trades? Because we always want to make the rich richer. And what about the teams that are just quitting, not even trying? Or any of them just, you know, stepping in a pile of you-know-what and playing over their heads? That's what we should be talking about now, but we're not because we have no baseball. This virus has taken over this country, and the sports are – really, sports are never going to be the same. They're not going to be the same for a long time. But this aspect that fans are losing out because there's no baseball right now, what are they gonna? What are they missing out on? Because if there's games played in stadiums with no fans, it's not like you have the ability to go buy a ticket and see a game in person. You're watching games on TV. You're gonna be watching something anyway. So baseball is in a, a pretty, I, I guess you could say little uh, can't win either way situation. They want to play baseball, but they also are looking out for their revenues. It's not about the fans. It never was about the fans. So when you say, hey, let's start playing baseball just for the fans right now, well, there's a couple different things that have to be spoken about. You hear about Blake Snell making the comments that he made where he may very well just not want to play for the risk of getting sick, for the fact that the owners are going to reduce the player's salaries at some point, they're losing whatever salary they're going to have up to a certain point because you play 81 games, it's a half of a baseball season. You're not going to get paid for what you get paid for playing in 162. And when you think about the revenues from ticket sales, from uh, merchandise, from concessions, the owners are all losing that too. And for a player to say, well, we shouldn't lose any bit of our salary, I don't know. It doesn't come off very good. But the one aspect of what Blake, Blake Snell is saying that makes him 100% right is I have no issue if Blake Snell says once the season is about to start and an agreement's been made between the players and the owners and you're going to get whatever sort of baseball season you're going to get, if Blake Snell says he doesn't want to play, he shouldn't have to play. If he wants to forfeit his salary of what he's going to pay, get paid over the course of the year because he doesn't want to play this year, he may not be the only one. So to go after Blake Snell and say that he doesn't have the right to say what he's saying is a little bit asinine. If he, if he doesn't want to play, just like if Mike Trout doesn't want to play, if you know the 26th man on the bench of the Pittsburgh Pirates doesn't want to play, Maybe he doesn't want to be quarantined for four months. Maybe he doesn't want to be away from his family. Maybe he just doesn't feel safe. It should be up to the individual players whether they want to play or not. Now, do I expect this to be the majority? No, I don't expect it to be the majority. But I think there's some that may legitimately not want to play in the conditions that are being proposed. You're not going to have this bubble they're going to be able to create that's going to guarantee every player's safety. Everybody in that stadium that's playing baseball is not going to be guaranteed to be safe. 
They're not going to be kept away from anybody. I mean, you're going to have to stay in a hotel. They're not going to sleep in the stadiums, right? At some point, they're going to move from stadium to stadium. Over some sort of time, you're going to interact with people. So there's no guarantee that the this virus cannot be had by somebody and spread on to other players. So Blake Snell or any other player in baseball decides that they don't want to play and are willing to forfeit their salary for the year, I have no issue with it. So thinking about the city of New York, or any major city for that matter, because you think of cities throughout the world that are more populated in New York City, but the, the expectation is at some point New York City, and obviously is a feature city or the feature city of America, will get back to being the way that it was before. You know, it survived 9-11 and came back as, as a better city because of it, more together. And I think the together part is true. But do you expect New York City to be able to get up and running and still follow the guidelines of the CDC? I can't imagine New York City, there's no other city in America that's more crammed with people. So there's possibilities that New York City may never be the same. And I guess what, what I would be asking, could we see some radical change in the city of New York that keeps it from ever being what it was again? Could you see businesses moving out of New York City into lesser populated areas? New York City, Manhattan, per se, becoming less of a destination than it used to be. People being let in and out of the city. Bridges perhaps being closed down and monitored. Or are you just going to open the city up and make believe nothing happened? Like your average beach. Hey, beaches are open, so a thousand people are all going to, uh, you know, congregate and potentially spread the coronavirus. Is, you know, what has happened in certain beaches that have opened? And all of a sudden you go from not being allowed to leave your house to thousands of people congregating together. Well, it's going to be even worse in New York City. New York City opens. You go from not being able to be six feet for somebody to all of a sudden millions of people congregating together. Imagine a subway service. Is that going to run the same as it ever did before? A little bit of a recap of the show today. Once again, this is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We spoke a little bit about DeAndre Baker, Quentin Dunbar, and the question is, are they innocent until proven guilty, or is it the court of public opinion that they're guilty until proven innocent? Obviously, you need to see what happened a little bit more, the Miramar Police Department in Florida has some affidavits, have some witnesses and stories that uh, allege that these two players did what they did. Now, if you know they're put into custody and charged with the crimes, they'll have the right to the trial and a jury and the judge and the whole thing. And then they'll be innocent until proven guilty. If they're found guilty, they're likely to spend some time in jail. And it's a, a kind of a slap in the face to the New York Giants who are looking forward to getting this player back who was supposed to be an integral part of their team. 
And how about the Seattle Seahawks who just made a trade to acquire Quentin Dunbar from the Washington Redskins? So it's not, I didn't even talk about that aspect of it. But where does it rank? You know, because Greg Hardy slapped around women and was welcome in the National Football League whenever he wanted to. Plexico Burris made more of an honest mistake. He shouldn't have had the gun in the club when he ended up entering. It went off. He shot himself. He didn't hurt anybody. But he did something he shouldn't have done, which required jail time. Was welcomed back in the National Football League. OJ. Yes. He was found not guilty of the murder of his wife, his ex-wife, Nicole and Ronald Goldman. But then he had the armed robbery case where he went in and he allegedly stole merchandise that belonged to him in the first place and had to serve quite a bit of time in jail for it. You still look at O.J. Simpson and you, you say, hey, maybe not a good person. Maybe a guy that's made some mistakes over the course of his like, life, but he was funny as Norberg and Naked Gun. He was one of the best college football players of all time. The juice is loose as it ran in the 1970s was one of the best all-around running backs in the history of the National Football League. Nobody's going out there taking that away from him. Michael Vick ends up being welcomed back in the National Football League after he serves time for killing all those dogs. Ray Carruth. You haven't heard anything from Ray Carruth since he's come back after serving his sentence for the murder of his girlfriend. But... DeAndre Baker, Quentin Dunbar, if they're found guilty of what it is that they allegedly are being uh, accused of, they'll be welcomed back in the National Football League. Drazen Petrovic, Hall of Fame basketball player, great shot, a an exciting young career taken early because of a tragic death. National Basketball Association says, hey, he was on his way to the Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Famer. Jose Fernandez. One of the great young pitchers that we've seen in the last generation or so. On his way to being the next Felix Hernandez, the next Roy Halladay, perhaps. The next CeCe Sabathia. The next Justin Verlander. His life taken tragically in a boat accident in 20... I see similarities between Drazen Petrovic and Jose Fernandez. But we also see politics that work differently in two different sports Hall of Fames. The NBA Hall of Fame seems to be more inclusive. The Baseball Hall of Fame seems to be more exclusive. Fans not being able to go to baseball games, it's something that's going to bother me. I'll be honest. When I have certain biasness, I throw them out there. And I am biased because I am an avid baseball fan. I go to games. I like to be there in stadiums. But to think that fans are losing out because there's no baseball right now and potentially the season could be missed. I think a case could be made that it may be better to just let this whole baseball season not exist, come back next year stronger than ever. How much are you willing to compromise the game as it is right now? Just to play baseball and to appease who? Who exactly are we looking to appease by playing a game that seven inning games, maybe? How much are you willing to compromise You really looking to do that? Rosters with 30, potentially even more players on it, taxi squads, no fans in the stadium. 
how you keep in six feet of space. And speaking of six feet of space, New York City. How are you going to reopen a city in the conditions that we're in right now? Are you going to open up the subways? Sounds a little bit crazy. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Looking forward to the last two episodes of The Last Dance. Michael Jordan, 1998 Bulls, Phil Jackson, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, whole thing. And also, I'm going to talk about the Rooney Rule in the National Football League proposed changes, which I think some are unfathomable. Do, do we need changes to this rule? Absolutely. Not enough African-Americans and minorities are being hired as coaches and general managers in a sport where over 70% of its players are blacks and minorities. Something's got to change. But is football trying a little too hard? Maybe going a little crazy in their ideas to change this rule. We'll talk about it on the next PBS. God bless you. And as always, I see it on the other side.